The Once and Future Nerd is independently produced. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, visit onceandfuturenerd.com support to find out how you can help. Listening to this show on an iOS device? Leave us a rating on iTunes, please. The Once and Future Nerd. Book One, Princes of Jordan. Chapter Five, The Worthiest Knight. Episode One. King Gunther's body floated to the center of a small, tranquil lake. Brennan stood and watched as his king, his friend, began his final journey to a watery rest, to reside for eternity in Selbrin. The morning was silent, save for the crackling flames of the king's pyre barge. A man of Gunther Guernatal's status deserved an elaborate barge, painted and carved. He deserved to be sent off directly into the Sea of the Ancestors, attended by dignitaries from all corners of the world. Instead, he was attended only by Brennan and Regan, on what might generously be called a raft. The silence stretched on. I was hoping some fitting words would come to me. Gunther was so good with words. Sometimes there aren't any good words. That's why they invented steel. Um, Brennan, not to be heartless, but... You're right. We should move. With a final look towards the king, Brennan rose and turned. The two strode away in silence for a few moments. That reminds me. What have you named them? Depends on whether I'm with a man or a woman, because... Your swords, your grace. They're a problem with sword? They've been bloodied in service of the throne. They deserve names. Never really thought about it. Guess people take that shit seriously once you're queen, huh? Very much so, Your Grace. Yeah, that still weirds me out. Call me something else, will ya? Whatever Your Grace wills. Back in Armstrongard, you'll recall, Jen the cheerleader had just stabbed an officer of the law. A corrupt officer who used his status to molest children, but an officer nonetheless. Jen? Galadin, help us! Oh, shit! What have you done? We need to leave. And flee the scene of a crime? That would be unlawful, not to mention dishonorable. You want to just wait here for the fucking cops to show up? Come on, Jen, we gotta bail. Now wait just a minute. You've never lived in the city. No good can come from involving the city guard. Honor is bigger than what's good for her. Or you, or me. Nia turned to Yilloween, rage fighting with fear behind her wide eyes. Nia stared the elf square in the eye and addressed him in perfect elvish. Urklotimohil. Oh, uh, uh, pardon me, uh, I'll translate. <clears throat> About honor, sibling woodsman, lecture me dare you not. My life to seeing honor done and order maintain have I pledged. To give her up to the city guard, naive or else cruel you must be. And for naiveness or cruelness to be cloaked behind honor, I cannot abide. If priest you hope to be, faithful you must stay. 
even when convenient, it is not. Billy, unable to understand Elvish, had little patience for their incomprehensible argument. Fuck this, man! And with that, he was running down the street, all but dragging Jen by the wrist. Nelson was close behind. This next was back in the common tongue of men. Honor your goddamn post and protect these children. Nia turned and ran after the children, not waiting for a response. Yiluin hesitated a moment, but just a moment before following. We should jump in that hay pile, like Assassin's Creed. And then just wait for them to stop investigating? Well, when you say it like that... At Gwernatal Castle, Arlene and Gwendolyn lay close on the lady's bed. You'll recall that Gwen recently had something of a confrontation with Irona Regan, her first, which is, of course, one too many for genteel folk. You must have been so frightened. I only did as I had to, Milady. Would that I were as brave as you. Come now, Milady. You're the brave one. What did you say to her? She asked why I cared, why I was willing to risk my life, and... I said, well, I said As Ardell entered the room, the two women dove apart from each other. You, wench, come. If he noticed their improprietous closeness, he made no mention of it. In fact, Ardell Redmore was smirking, a cruel twist at the corner of his mouth. Arlene had seen that smirk before. Where are you taking her? The captain of the guard wants to debrief her about last night's horrid turn of events. Brother, she was only searching the pantry when the bandit came through. Though Ardell's next words were grave, his self-satisfied smirk continued. I'm not sure you understand the enormity of what has transpired. The High King, on the eve of trial for treason, was slain by a highly skilled assassin in the employ of a lauded general and with him perished the Gwanatal line. This is a momentous atrocity. We must leave no stone unturned in our investigation. Well, then I must insist on coming with her. She's not accustomed to talking to officers. Oh, I'm afraid you can't. It could take some time, and you need to prepare for tonight's feast. I'll send my man to help you. What feast? Ardell's smirk broke into a wide grin as his sister's face went ashen. House Mooncrest is coming to celebrate our joint victory over Felgia. Don't you want to look beautiful for your betrothed? And so Gwen found herself in a dark room, deep in the heart of the castle. One might wonder, why would a simple discussion with a servant warrant a dark room with a sickly stench and a rotting table? The reason, as you might imagine, was simply Ardell Redmore's whim. What did the assassin say to you? She said to get out of a why, or she would kill me, my lord. And how did you respond? I said I couldn't allow her to leave, my lord. Yes, I'm sure you summoned such bravery in the face of a mortal threat. Carmen is unknown for that. She didn't leave straight away, did she? If you address... One more sentence to me that doesn't end in my lord. I'll have your tongue out. Do you understand? Yes, my lord. Now, what's this nonsense about her not leaving straight away? Well, my lord, they announced his majesty's death just before ten bells. 
and I was in the pantry just after seven bells, my lord. I brought enough food to the barracks to know the guard would have changed, my lord. If the assassin had slain his majesty before I met her, they would have found his body sooner, my lord. Gwen actually smiled at this, despite her current surroundings, pleased with her own cunning. So, you are claiming that an assassin, who had been hired to murder the High King, was about to leave the keep without having completed her mission? She spoke to you, and only then decided to return to kill his late majesty? Am I correct? Is that your claim? All I claim, my lord, was that his majesty was still alive when I saw that woman in the kitchen. And have you mentioned this opinion to anyone else? Can't recall, my lord. Milady's been so troubled of late. Very distracting, isn't it? Fogs the memory, my lord. If you are right, that would make things look quite bad for you, wouldn't it? Looks worse for you if your regency is built on a lie. The look on Ardell Redmore's face brought to mind biting into a sour apple and finding a worm inside, and then learning the apple was covered in feces. Let me make this abundantly clear, you peasant slut. You are admittedly more clever than I expected, so I'll spare you talk of unfortunate accidents. There is nothing I would hesitate to do to you. I will have you beaten, raped, dismembered. Anything. Gwen did her best to remain composed. She managed fairly well. Your self-sacrifice isn't brave. You don't value your life. As well you shouldn't. It's only bravery if something is at stake that you do value. And I'm sure by now you know what I'm willing and able to do to my whore of a sister. At this, Gwen finally flinched. Ardell Redmore did not fail to notice this. His sneer widened a fraction. So, as far as you're concerned, Gunther's death and Brennan's and the assassins happened exactly as was said in my Lord Regent's record. And if I hear any rumors otherwise, regardless of who started them, it will come out of my sister's fetid flesh. Now throw her in the dungeon for a day or three to make sure she understands. The fortress known as Blackhold is a stark, severe castle just to the east of the Black Mountains. No town or village surrounds the keep. Its black bricks rise sharply from the desolate, snow-covered plains. This morning, same as centuries prior, a single standard flew from Blackhold's tower, a field of sable, no adornment. Within the keep, Officers of the realm's civic guard studied a map of Jordan. At the head of the table sat the senior officer, a grizzled general by the name of Dylan Kerr. He manipulated tiny figurines of armsmen wearily. I have no doubt Traft is coming here. Dawn at the latest. Is he as savage as they say? Of course he is. He's half-orc. General Kerr pondered a long moment giving the flippant question a good deal of thought before answering. I have come to believe that General Traft is the incarnation of all the sins visited on his people by the elves and by us. 
and one day we shall have to pay for those sins. But we are sworn to hold this castle. So for the good of your honor, fight with the bravery of men condemned to die. But for the good of your souls, know that it's a fair sentence. Brennan and Regan, Queen Regan that is, finally arrived at Armstrongard after a long night's march. The Queen promptly led them to the whorehouse, as is meet and proper. They rounded a final corner, only to find Madame Bailey's establishment swarmed by a veritable flock of heavily armed city guardsmen. Fuck. No good. Are the children all right? Brennan, as we've established, had a habit of dealing with the authorities head-on, a habit of which Queen Regan disapproved philosophically. Thus, she had to grab the old general's cloak to prevent him from introducing himself to the nearest guard officer. Wait, I don't know where the kids are. Looks like the place got raided. Somebody must have pissed off McShane. So where are they? Either they got out before the raid and they're holed up somewhere else, or they're at guard headquarters. The day we met, the city guard... They haven't set the place on fire, so don't worry about that. And if they nab them, I don't think they'll try anything funny on account of Halloween. City guard always shit themselves and a fucking splint shows up. Brennan tactfully ignored his queen's vulgarity. What do we do, though, if they've been arrested? Know what we used to call breaking somebody out of guard headquarters when I was a kid? What's that? A good Saturday morning. Their deliberation was interrupted by the clang of an alarm bell. The pair looked towards the source of the noise to see a thick black column of smoke rising above the city skyline and into the morning air. Some mutual instinct had them both running towards the source in an instant. Some 15 minutes later, the Queen and the General found themselves in front of the charred remains of what was once a tavern. A line of locals hastily doused the smouldering timbers to prevent the fire's spread. The scene, in fact, was rather reminiscent of the erstwhile bloody rat tavern and grill on the morning after Brennan and Regan had first met. That's the city god I know and love. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira and directed and edited by Christian Madeira. It is performed by Rhiannon Angel, Garrett Armin, Dan Dobransky, Lily Drexler, Hayes Dunlop, Anya Gibeon, Ian Harkins, Paul Notice, Frank Querez, and Julie Reed. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Alex Story is an associate producer. The Once in Future Nerd is recorded by Brian Forbes at the Gallery Recording Studio in Brooklyn, New York, with second unit production sound by Gary O'Keefe. Foley, sound design, and post-production mixing is done by Sandro Ramirez. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading 